Okay, um, I want to put one more plug in for the uh, Festival of Cultures. Uh, please uh, plan to go, and if you're afraid to go by yourself, then just grab somebody and go with them. You know, I mean, we could have literally seven or eight people there. Right now, most of the slots are one or two people. So please, actuate what you say you believe in and go out and just hang out for a couple hours, both today, tomorrow, and uh, take advantage of this opportunity to connect with people. Often the problem we have as believers is we're afraid of what people will say to us or about us. We're afraid. Of course, Yeshua the Messiah said, if you deny me, I'm going to deny you. You know, it's a very heavy statement in the text. But yet we do suffer from it, don't, don't we? We're afraid to be public about our faith. We're afraid to tell people what we believe. Often it's because they're going to make fun of us and say things that will hurt us. Uh, of course, we all remember the little statement, uh, sticks and stones can break my bones, but names will never hurt me. But as we all know, that's absolutely false. Uh, people use words against people. They use them against us. And it really hurts. It goes to the core of who we are. Uh, sometimes our problem as individuals, sometimes our problem is that we use too many words, too many words. Pianist Arthur Rubinstein, a fluent, fellow fluent in eight languages, definitely not an American-born individual, fluent in eight languages, was assailed by a stubborn case of hoarseness. The newspapers were full of reports about smoking and cancer, so he decided to consult a throat specialist. I searched his face for a clue during the 30-minute examination, Rubinstein said, but it was expressionless. He told me to come back the next day. I went home full of fears, and I didn't sleep that night. The next day, there was another long examination, and again, an ominous silence. Tell me, the pianist exclaimed. I can't stand the truth. I've lived a full, rich life. What's wrong with me? The physician said, you talk too much. His sore throat's because he talks too much. All right, so, okay. All right. This one's a little bit different. Sometimes we speak too much, we use too many words, gets us into trouble with people, or we get our, give ourselves a hoarse throat. Sometimes we use the wrong words. We just say the wrong thing. Uh, this is a, an illustration to benefit our friends from Texas. Uh, the Karankawa Indians, who used to inhabit the lower Gulf Plains of Texas and Mexico, met their demise in the middle of the Texas Revolution in 1836. It seems that Captain Philip DeMitt, who owned a ranch north of present-day Corpus Christi, used to give the Karankawas beef whenever they were in the area. At the outbreak of the revolution, however, DeMitt left his ranch to serve with the Texans. In DeMitt's absence, the Indians rounded up a few cattle and had a barbecue. As they ate the beef, a party of Mexican soldiers rode up, rode up and demanded to know what they were doing. We are Captain DeMitt's friends. The Karankawas replied, when the Mexicans heard this, they attacked, killing many and causing the rest to flee. The remaining Karankawas ran north and uh, later met a party of Texans. Fearing another assault, the Indians began shouting, Viva la Mexico! Viva la Mexico! Immediately the Texans attacked and only a few of the hapless Karankawas escaped. You ever been in there? You can't win because no matter what you say, it's the wrong thing. Sometimes some of us have these issues. We say the wrong things or we use too many words when we really shouldn't say much. 
When it comes to communication within a community, when it comes to communication within a community, or even take your office, or take those closest to you within your family, sometimes communication can break down because we use the wrong words or we express ourselves in the wrong way. This morning, what I want us to do is take a look in a very practical uh, discussion this morning. I want us to look at the four rules of communication. And I have these actually in, in your notes. I encourage you to take a look at your notes uh, and follow along with me. But we're, we're just taking a look at this from the uh, book of Ephesians chapter 4 and discussing this whole issue of proper communication. This is a message that, uh, frankly, uh, I heard from uh, Ted Kirschberg, uh, who is a leader in the community, and I liked what he said, and I've tweaked it through the years, but it's a very practical message for us. God has given us clear instruction regarding how we are to communicate as followers of Messiah Yeshua. These are four simple principles, which can be added to a bunch of other stuff in the biblical text, but four simple principles for proper communication. And my challenge to you this morning is to consider how you are doing in your communication with others. Just like all of God's instructions, they do us no good if we don't intentionally seek to practice them. And so I'm going to be uh, reading from Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 25, and continuing through chapter 5, verse 2. So follow along, and then we'll unpack it together. So lay aside lying, and each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, nor give the devil a foothold. The one who steals must steal no longer. Instead, he must work, doing something useful with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with the one who has need. Let no harmful word come out of your mouth, but only what is beneficial for building others up according to the need, so that it gives grace to those who hear it. Do not grieve the Ruach or Chodesh of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and quarreling and slander, along with all malice. Instead, be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving each other, just as God in Messiah also forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God, as dearly loved children, and walk in love, just as Messiah also loved us and gave himself up for us as an offering and sacrifice to God for a fragrant aroma. So we have four principles that we're going to lay out and then a final thought in regards to the therefore. So verse 25, it's, uh, verse 25 is just, it says it quite simply, so lay aside lying and each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. Some of us, some of us struggle with honesty. Some of us are just dishonest people, okay? I like Paul's illustration. So, Paul, how are you doing in your scripture reading? I'm doing fine. Not really. You know, that's one kind of dishonesty, when we are just flat-out dishonest. All right? I, one of the things you'll notice, I like to probe. I like to probe. Why? That's what people did with me when I became a believer in Yeshua. Yeah, so how's it really going in terms of your relationship with God? And a lot of us are not honest. You know, I love the most classic question is, so how are you doing? The American answer is, I'm fine, how are you? The response, of course, I'm fine, thank you. The whole world could be burning down, but we lie to one another about how we're really doing. 
that's honest. That's, an, uh, that's the expectation in America. I'm okay, you're okay, we're both okay, just don't ask me about my real life. Here, when it says be honest, we think relationally, not just in the sense of a greeting. Okay, relational honesty. Chaplain Jay Kurtz, I love to use this illustration. I've used it all over the world, Jay. Uh, when, he was, uh, when he and Gloria first started coming, because we really didn't know one another, really didn't know one another at all, you know, and, and so Jay has a question that he asks uh, that I, I'd never really heard of before. He says, is everything okay between us, you know? And, and, and basically what, he's, what he means by that is, is, is are we clear, you know? Uh, are there any issues? And, uh, and it's a great, it was a great question. Every once in a while, he'll ask that. You know, I don't know where you got that approach from, but, uh, but it's a great question. Relationally, is there anybody in this room where if you were to ask them, is everything okay between us, that there would be a, a, a you couldn't say that. You couldn't say that. Relational honesty is... There's clarity in terms of, of our relationship, but there's, a, there's, a, there's that clearness. There's no obstacles blocking us. It's not like you have to agree on everything. I would say that, that in all the years that I've known Chaplain Jay, all right, that there really hasn't been any real obstacles. Maybe every once in a while a misunderstanding or something, but the desire to be clear is such that we can disagree about all kinds of stuff. Probably politics to some extent and different things. But, but there is a clarity, an honesty of relationship, which doesn't often happen among believers. Believers. When it says we are members of one another, you understand how important it is when you look around this room that there is a real openness and honesty between you and the people around you. It does come into play when there are problems because the people around you, they need to know if you're doing good or bad. You don't have to bleed all over everybody, okay? But, but that sense of honesty is important. It is really integrity. Another phrase Jay uses all the time, are people whole people or not? whole people. Well, it's a body right here, but is that really a whole person? I've used that one a lot too as I've traveled in my last few years of work in the union. That person is not a whole person, you know? Integrity. Are you a person of integrity? Are you the same today as you will be on Tuesday or on Thursday? Is there a consistency with who you are? It doesn't mean you don't have problems. But integrity. Um, this verse, uh, verse 25, actually it's a quote from Zechariah 8.16, you know, having to do with our people and some of our issues as a people before God. We need to understand that if we're going to truly be in relationship with people, anybody, that means your friends, whoever you're married to, the people in this community and your work environment, but especially think community of faith. There has to be a real honesty among us, speaking truth with kindness toward one another. That means always speaking with one another, being honest about feelings, but in a way that is appropriate. We're going to talk more about that in a few minutes. Some of us, though, still really 
we struggle with the honesty in terms of our, rela- our, our connecting with one another. We hold on to issues from time to time, some of it born out of misunderstanding. Because if you, listen, you're going through life, there's going to be disagreements and points of misunderstanding. You know, I, I, I never give anyone the wrong impression about anything, right? Sure I do. And then it's important, though, for me that if I give a wrong impression, that instead of people holding on to it for the next 20 years, that they say, hey, listen, can we just talk a moment? I think Abe has done this on occasion with me. You know, can we talk just a minute? I want to make sure I understand or clarify or just so you know that you came across this way because that's very helpful. I didn't mean to come across that I hate the world, but I really love Charlie Brown, you know. You know what I'm saying? We can misunderstand one another much better to make sure that there is a, 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 an openness, an honesty, a real solid understanding between ourselves. We need to be honest in what we project and the way we individually interact and communicate with others. But we need to be honest in making sure that if we misunderstand or feel like we've been hurt in some way, to go to somebody and try to, to really understand that person. Speaking the truth with kindness directly, going directly to people, not around like 15 other people first before you get around to them. Uh, dealing with problems instead of hiding them or avoiding them. Sometimes we do that. There are real significant differences, and, they, and, and that's, that, that will occur. I mean, uh, it's, I mean uh, Rachel is having a conversation. I always like when I travel around, and I always tell people, yeah, no, it's a synagogue of Jews that believe in Jesus. And especially when I'm hanging around with real evangelical, fundamentalist, right-wing political types, which is a large part of the body of Messiah in America, let's be honest. And I say, yeah, I've got guys in my synagogue that have voted for Obama twice. They're like, they can't be saved. It's like, well, no, it's a synagogue. People are actually both Democrats and Republicans. And we probably have some independents. And I don't know, there might be a libertarian in the group, especially when Michael Friedman's here, right? So let's be honest. We disagree with one another on things. But let's not hide it. And if there are real issues with one another, let's not sweep those under any rug. Let's remember that community means that we're honest in, in terms of our differences as well as honest in the things that we all agree with. That's just integrity. It needs to be an important word among believers, integrity. But you know what? As we see, take a look at uh, verse 26. <clears throat> be angry, yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. There are times when, when we will rub up against one another and really make somebody angry. If being honest means that we are expressing ourselves honestly, sometimes people will get upset about that, right? You know, the worst sin in the world, well, it's not the worst, but I think it could be one of the worst sins in the world, is the sin of holding a grudge. Some people have this down to an Olympic sport, holding grudges. They're just so good at holding grudges. You know, my mother, you know, and I explain, my mother's mentally ill, all right, but it really comes out of deep pain that she's never let go. I mean, if I could ever get her in to see a psychologist, all right, someone that could really help her to tap into all these issues, at the core of it all is that woman forgives nothing from anybody. She still brings up the fact that my older brother did something 
that, that, that she considered to be a travesty. She, he took something that was his that she thought was hers from 25 years ago, maybe even longer than that. Every once in a while, I'll go to my mother. Have you seen your brother, Joe? Does he have that thing? It's like, Mom, nobody has that thing anymore. Why would she bring it up? Because in her psyche, she's still mad about what he did all those years ago. Do you hold grudges? There's some, have you ever been offended or hurt or somebody did something against you? It's the own egg line and somebody takes the last locks, the last piece of locks, and they've done it over the last 10 years and you are just furious, but you've never said anything to them about it. Holding grudges is incredibly destructive, horrible. You know, Yeshua the Messiah in Matthew 5, Matthew 5, verses 23 to 24. Yeshua gives the illustration. He says, if you are going to the temple, if you're at the temple, and you've got your offering, and you, there's, a, uh, there's not a, a good relational connection with somebody, leave your offering, offering, go reconcile with your brother, and then come back and offer the offering. That means that before you can be in relationship with God, you need to make sure your relationships with others are the way they need to be. Too often, religious people are also really good at holding the Olympic sport of of holding grudges. How can that be? Who do you think should hold the greatest grudge of all? God. He created a perfect world. We messed it up. Okay? And if you say, well, that was Adam and Eve a long time ago. No, no, no. You're just adding to the messed upness because no matter what you do, you're still going to sin. God should hold a grudge against us because we screwed it all up. But he doesn't. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Yeshua. God sent Messiah to die for us because God holds no grudges. Holds no grudges. He forgives. We need to forgive like that. We'll talk about that in the end here. You know, if you have an issue with somebody, don't allow your anger to linger. We get angry. Do you know what it says, right? It says right there in the text, be angry. You're like, just a second, I get a pass? I get a pass to get angry. Yeah, I mean, anger is an emotion. It's like, you know, try not to be angry about everything. I was angry about something the other day. It was rattling David and Eric's cages yesterday morning. You know, there are times to be angry, but, but you, but, Guys, anger in and of itself should never be allowed to linger. Anger is an emotional response to something. It, the, response occur, the, the, the response occurs, but then the key is processing it through. It says very clearly, don't let it linger. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Why? Because if you allow uh, anger to linger, it'll fester within you. Because anger really leads to holding grudges and, and bitterness. And who can take advantage of that? The evil one, the adversary. Think about it. Those of you who have been married for a while, right? Think of that. Well, most of you haven't been married for a while. All right, so it's just like just a few of us, okay? If you allow some, I mean, my wife would, you know, certain things have always bothered me. Even this morning I said, do you think you can take care of that stuff over there? <laughs> All right? If I, if I really get angry, and I've been angry in the past, and I let it just eat at me, it, it's like poison in our relationship, right? We all have things in marriage 
Those of you who are married know this. There are certain things that our spouses do that if we allowed ourselves to remain angry about them, it would destroy our relationship. We have to let it go. I can look at the chair one more time and get angry for a moment and say, could you please? But then i got to let it go. Or I can help clean it, depending on the circumstances, if I get permission. But I need to let it go because otherwise it will hurt our relationship. I got to keep it current. I got to make sure our relationship is open and clear. If you do have an issue again with anybody, though, you need to talk to them. God will not give you a pass to hold on to your sense of unsettledness or hurt or or whatever. He doesn't give you a pass to hold on to that for an indefinite amount of time. You need to deal with it. We, if we are truly in, listen, what's wonderful is if we are truly in relationship with one another, we will, from time to time, offend one another, rub up against one another in a wrong way or a bad way or a misunderstanding way, whatever. These things are real. And most of us, especially people like me, don't necessarily know when we do things like this. But within community that's real community, individuals will go up to people like me and whoever it is, whoever the situation is, and say, hey, listen, just so you know, this hit me in a certain way. And that anger or whatever that initial emotional response is, it dissipates. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to be honest with one another. He wants us, though, to keep our, our issues current with one another, that nothing festers because Satan will take any opportunity he can find. And, and Satan loves to use dissonance. You know, in, you know a relational disconnect to, to, to wreak havoc in the life of an individual, in the life of a community. We don't want that to happen. Certainly in the, in the marriage. You know, divorce rate among believers is, you know, believers. So let's just use, because Messianic Jews, our numbers are so small, but take evangelical Christianity, which is supposed to be like, you know, this, you know, lives change kind of thing, you know. Truth of the matter is, divorce among evangelicals is the same as in the greater population. It's like, so knowledge isn't what it's all about. It's applying the truth that we know. In verse 29, actually, uh, verse 28. Take a look at verse 28. It's not in your notes. I just want to read it real quick. It says, uh, the one who steals must steal no longer. <laughs> Anybody out there stealing? Stop it. Don't steal. Barry, Bob says you're stealing. Don't steal. Instead, he must work. So really, this must have to do with people living off other people. Are you living off of other people? Some of us, from time to time, need help. That's not what it's talking about. I, mean, I think it's really talking about people that are perpetually lazy and unwilling to really take care of themselves. All right? If you are somebody who likes to live off the hard work of other people, unless you're in the Social Security system, okay? But, if you, but that's your own hard work. But if you are somebody that really does just like to look, live off the hard work of other people, stop it. That's really what the challenge here is. Instead, he must work. This, we all must work. Doing something useful with our own hands so that he may have something to share with the one who has need to always remember that we should be living in such a way that we are thinking about the needs of others. That's a totally different concept than the world in which we live. And it's consistent with the overall understanding here is we are together a community. 
And what, it, what is it that impacts us negatively? Is when our relationships break down, when our words are used inappropriately or we hold on to res, uh, responses to words directed against us in a way that's not biblical. But also what breaks down relationships is when we're just using one another. Doesn't help. Doesn't work. God's plan for marriage is not 50-50. It's 100-100. It's 100%, 100%. When it comes to relationships, just basic relationships, God's way, it's all about giving of oneself for the benefit of others. Well, that's just a, not really fitting into my four points. But moving on to verse 29, still wanted to mention it. Uh, verse 29, it says, Let no harmful word come out of your mouth but only what is beneficial for building others up according to the need so that it gives grace to those who hear it. Do not grieve the Ruach HaChodesh of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Here we have in verse 29 this uh, really this, this kind of challenging concept. It's always nice to have siblings in the room. Siblings, of course, only speak truth in kindness to one another. Right, Monique and Mike. You guys only speak truth in kindness to one another. I know Matt and, and Rachel along the same lines. You know, and uh, I'm sure Nathan and Celine and Justice all. Isn't it sometimes very difficult to build others up with our words in the midst of a difficult circumstance? We all struggle with it. I struggle with it. Or I just wanna, I just wanna use a choice word or two. Now sometimes. You have to use a choice word or two because of the situation in which you're, you find yourself. Someone, a kid is running across the road. You don't say, by the way, little Johnny, you might want to consider that crossing the road could lead to an early demise. You don't say that. You say, stop! <laughs> and you say it loud. If you're a parent, you're mad. And you go up and you say, don't ever do that again. You guys done that at all lately? <laughs> Why? Because it's an emotional time. Something bad is going on. You've got to deal with the situation. It's not because Benjamin is bad. It's because Benjamin is a kid and the situation is bad. You're dealing with the situation. Benjamin's just kind of there. Same thing happens in life. Where people in our community begin to engage in things that are not good for them. They fall into problems and circumstances that are not good for them and their relationship with God and their forward movement in life. As followers of Messiah Yeshua, what we have to do is to build them up. And we have to do it in a way that is constructive. I think the very first thing we have to do when we think about building up people is identifying what the issues are in people's lives. Sometimes in our society, especially I think, uh, uh, you know, uh, when it comes to certain, many of us didn't have the benefit of growing up in an environment where we automatically knew the right things to do all the time. And so it's easy for us to make poor choices. Poor choices educationally, poor choices in relationships, poor choices sometimes depending on on where we're at in life with the way we're raising our kids. And we need people in our lives that will give us direction and instruction and help. Hopefully that's the older, wiser people who have followed God giving wisdom and counsel to the younger people. 
All right, a lot of that in the biblical text. But the issues need to be identified. The issue needs to be identified. I'm trying to think of a really good illustration here, uh, but I can't think of anything that wouldn't get me into too much trouble. So the, the key is, is in relationship with one another. And we'll go back to the, the street crossing. There may be somebody in this community that you're in relationship with. And the individual is, you know, trying to cross the proverbial highway thinking that there's no problem there. It's your responsibility to call them out, to challenge them in a way that will build them up, to call them a name or to attack their person in, in, or their motivations or whatever may not be the right response. Probably wouldn't be the best response. The best response, though, could be a very aggressive challenge. But we have to be willing to, to serve one another in difficult circumstances where we see people making poor choices. Sometimes as believers, we just don't do that. In our communication, instead, we might yell at somebody or we might demean somebody when what we really need to do is go in a much more thoughtful way to figure out how can I get this person to understand that the choices that they're making are not going to help, help them get to where they got to go. They're going to bring them down instead of build them up. In order to do that, we're going to have to be, we have to find creatively ways to use words that will build them up and not break them down. Sometimes people make poor choices because they have already a rather poor view of themselves. We need to think of what we can do to build them up. And I would say that probably at least 80% of the time, hopefully we can do that, but don't be surprised if 20% of the time you're not sure what to do and you make a mistake. That leads to the issue of motivation. Motivation. We need to make sure that our motives are correct, that we truly want to see people grow and develop into the image of Messiah Yeshua. I think that's where it says, do not grieve the Ruach HaKodesh of God. Only the Spirit of God knows what's going on on the inside of us and our motivations. We can assume with one another. But God knows our real motivations. It's easy to attack people. You know, it's funny, when I was in business a lifetime ago, <clears throat> you know, I, one of the best, and actually it's better, better appreciated in ministry, but in business, a guy, one of the owners of the company I was working for at the time said, you know, most people want to see you fail. Now, he was from a sales background, and it's true among salespeople. Salespeople like to see other salespeople crash and burn because it kind of clears out the market a little bit, you know. Sometimes as believers, we have a hard time seeing people succeed. And reality is, believers, followers of Messiah Yeshua, do you know that whenever you can help somebody succeed in life, it only builds you up. Think about it. In this community, if we could really encourage one another to be all that God wants these individuals to be, think about how far we can go. But we have to be willing to sometimes call people on what's going on in their lives because of circumstances and issues. We have to use strong words. We have to take the risk of getting involved 
and possibly making a mistake or two, even though we're trying to help. We just need to make sure that our motivations are clear. People have problems. Maybe you don't have problems. Ah, you're lying. You got a problem. I got a problem. We all got problems. We need to help one another attack the problems in our lives through words that build up, encourage, and strengthen. Let's not tear apart one another because that's really not going to help us all get to where we got to go. The last section, take a look at verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and quarreling and slander, along with all malice. Instead, be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving each other, just as God and Messiah also forgave you. Always to lead with love. Again, it's hard. And if you've been married for a while, marriage is such a great point of illustration. But if, if really the best marriages are marriages where you die to yourself. I mean, obviously, the, the Kurtzes have celebrated a double high marriage, 36 years. And if I gave, if I gave Gloria the microphone, she could give us illustration after illustration. But Jay would probably walk out because <laughs> they'd be good illustrations. I know. No, because 36 years to share. I know that if Carla were to be given an open mic, and, you know, there's a lot of examples for some of these young people to think about. Leading with love. Leading with love. So easy to react to everything around us. But to learn to act in terms of our relationships with one another, in terms of the words that we use, to always be asking the question, how, what, how is what I am saying being understood how is it coming across? If only 70% of the time we were able to be that good, think about how much better our relational connections would be. What comes out of good, thoughtful relational communication is trust and encouragement. But it is costly. Best example of it is our Messiah Yeshua. That's why it says, therefore, after looking at everything above it, in chapter 5, verse 1, therefore be imitators of God. But I'm not God. You're not God. I'm not God. He says be an imitator of God. Imitations are always not as good as the original. Okay? Imitate God as dear, loved children and walk in love. Just as Messiah also loved us and gave himself up for us as an offering and sacrifice to God for a fragrant aroma. That's what our calling is the imitators of God and we practice within this community this community because of what it means really committedly coming together serving together growing together learning together gives us an opportunity to really practice what it means to imitate God in his expression of love toward us there actually is a poem about sticks and stones I don't know if you guys are aware of this it's written by Herb Warren it says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words could never hurt me. And this I knew was surely true, and truth could not desert me. But now I know it is not so. I've changed the latter part. For sticks and stones may break the bones, but words can break the heart. Sticks and stones may break the bones, but leave the spirit whole. But simple words can break the heart, or silence crush the soul.
in our homes, neighborhoods, and yes, even in this congregation, there will be times when we are offended, bothered, misunderstood, or we are offending, bothering, or not being clear in what we're communicating. When that happens, let us remember, first and foremost, God's mercy. God's mercy demonstrated toward us. That should always be in the forefront of our minds, what God has done for us, how he loves us and forgives us and his understanding toward us. But then let's remember to practice that mercy in regards to our communication with others. Let's be sure that we're honest and we're, we're, we have real integrity in the way that we're interacting with one another. Let's make sure we're not holding grudges. We're keeping current in terms of, of, our, of our interactions and even those emotional you know, outbursts that occur between individuals in relationship. Let's make sure that we are helping one another in terms of the issues, the problems that, that pop up in life, that we are focused on those instead of just focused on an individual and their problems uh, on a personal level. And finally, let us make sure that our motivations toward one another are godly, that they are reminiscent and imitation of our Messiah Yeshua. Let's close in a word of prayer. God, we thank you, thank you so much for the truth of your word and, again, the challenge of it. God, we thank you for the fact that in Messiah we are loved and that you, in essence, you're seeking to change us more and more into the image of our Messiah, that you're desiring that we live ever more lives of kedoshim, of holiness. God, I do pray that, that you would... Uh, Give us as a congregation a greater willingness to be open with one another, to truly to live related, to be in open communication. And uh, keep from us, God, anything that would give Satan an opportunity to bring division and to cause destruction, whether it is in the lives of individuals, in relationships, or within this community as a whole, God. Keep us united in our commitment to live lives properly communicating with one another as we properly seek to communicate with you. We pray all this in Yeshua's name.